Uh, as you guys know, last week was a special night where some special things happened. And uh, that's because now this week we're starting a new series. We finished our dating series. You guys are now completely equipped to go out there and get hitched. Um, and we finished the prerequisites. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> no, we finished talking about the prerequisites. Amazing. We finished talking about the prerequisites, yeah. Um, but we finished our dating series, and now we're moving on to the Sermon on the Mount. So, real quick, what are we called? What are we? Little we're called Christians. Yeah, we're called Little Christs. And um, the thing about being Christians is that, why are we called Christians? Who are we named after? Jesus. And how many times in this youth group have we given a lesson from Jesus' life? It's been a hot second. We teach about Jesus in our gospel series. We did some parables uh, back when it was just the junior high group about maybe almost two years ago now. It's been a while, man. Yeah, shoot. Uh, And now I wanted to take the opportunity to give you guys a series through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is the largest, longest sermon that we have from Jesus. It's recorded in Matthew 5 to 7. And this is going to be an awesome opportunity for me to actually talk to you guys about what does our king have for us. Like, we're Christians. We are part of Jesus' family, a part of Jesus' kingdom. And yet, we don't always go through everything that he specifically said because there's a whole lot of Bible to go through. But tonight, and this series, is going to be a cool opportunity to give you guys the words of Jesus a bit more directly than some of the Old Testament. Not to devalue the Old Testament. I love me some Old Testament. But also, there's something cool about reading Jesus' words specifically. So, go to Matthew chapter 5. Once you guys are there, we'll start reading. But this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And while you're turning there, I'm going to give you some context for this. So each of the four Gospels presents Jesus in a slightly different light. So in Matthew, Jesus is presented as the king. Jesus is the uh, prophesied Davidic king, and he is the king of Israel, and he is also the king of heaven. So Jesus is the king. And when you're a king, you get to make laws, right? So the Sermon on the Mount is like Jesus coming into Israel, ushering in the kingdom of God and saying, these are the laws of my kingdom. If you're going to be a Christian, this is what's going to define you. This is what being a Christian looks like. This is what being a citizen of heaven looks like. And then Jesus comes and he gives this sermon. And so what we're going to be looking at tonight is what's called the Beatitudes and personally, I'm going to give you a hot take is that it's not actually Beatitudes, it's Beatitude. Yeah. Is that named from the Bible? The Beatitudes? Uh, no, the Beatitudes is something that was applied to it afterward. So the Beatitudes is a title that was given to it later. So my hot take is that the Beatitudes is actually a single Beatitude. What's a Beatitude? A Beatitude is an attitude that you should have. It's one way of living? Is that actually what it means? Because I don't know. No, I don't, but that's yeah. I would yeah, I don't know what beatitude actually means. I always just thought it was supposed to be like, be this attitude. I don't know. But the beatitudes. Sounds about right. That's what I would do. Uh, but anyways. But what? Wow. Okay. So if you guys want to start reading with me in Matthew 5, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. That's where we get the name Sermon on the Mount from. He was on a mountain. Whoa. Anyways, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So Jesus is getting ready, man. Ooh, are we sizing up? And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so the first thing that you see in that is that it's kind of backwards. When he says blessed, that word for blessed is like saying happy. Happy are you. Glad are you. It's a real good thing and you should be happy about it when this happens. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit, when you mourn, when you are meek, when you are hungry, when you are merciful, pure in heart. Like all this stuff is kind of backwards. Blessed is the guy who's mourning. I should be happy when people persecute me. I should be happy when I'm poor in spirit. What's the deal? And so Jesus is coming to a bunch of people and he's saying the kingdom of heaven is not what you expect. I'm not here to tell you that you're doing it the right way all along and that you should just keep on doing whatever you've been doing. I'm here to shake things up. I'm here to show you that you are going in the wrong direction and I'm here to set you on the path that you need. And so Jesus is talking to them about that. And it's important to notice that it is kind of backwards. But now that we've established that, we're going to break down these Beatitudes. And the first thing that I want you to see is that they're kind of divided into two sections. The poor in spirit to hunger and thirsting for righteousness, all of that's kind of like internal stuff. And then the other half where it talks about being merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, that's external. That's how you act to the people around you. So the first thing is we're going to talk about the internal reality of a citizen of heaven. The internal reality of a citizen of heaven. And the first beatitude is he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the reason that I have this picture up on the board, uh, it's not ramen. <laughs> yeah. So up on the board, I have like these little bowls. And then out of the top bowl is a bunch of water flowing into the second bowl. And that bowl overflows, flowing into the third, which then overflows and flows into the fourth, which then overflows into a really big bowl that goes outside of the internal reality and affects how we interact with different things around us. So the reason that I have this up here, you guys remember earlier when we were talking about Avatar The Last Airbender? What? And we were like, hey, you need to open up your chakras. If you want to achieve the Avatar stage, you need to open up your chakras. <laughs> So if, I don't know if you guys have seen Avatar, but it's like the single greatest American animated work ever. Um, but in Avatar, yeah, you have seen it. All of it. Good stuff. Yeah, who did not understand the uh, the uh, illustration I just made? So basically, what I'm making the point here is that poor in spirit is the only beatitude. Poor in spirit is the only beatitude and everything else that we just read in that list is actually just a result of being poor in spirit. So what you see here is that this bowl being poor in spirit is flowing into the next bowl and then the next bowl and then the next bowl and then into the big bowl that goes into everything around us. So really when we're reading the beatitudes, every beatitude after being poor in spirit is actually just a test to see if you're actually poor in spirit. 
And so when you're saying that, you're like, well, okay, John, you keep throwing around all this stuff about being poor in spirit. What does that even mean? The first time I heard poor in spirit, I had no idea what that meant. I was like, so you're poor, but you're a Christian. And it's like, ah, no. (laughs) So being poor in spirit. So being poor in spirit, when you're poor, it means that you don't have anything to offer either yourself or other people. You lack the resources necessary to sustain yourself or to give to the people around you. And so when it says you're poor in spirit, it means that you lack anything spiritual to offer to anyone around you or to sustain yourself. When it says poor in spirit, he means that you have nothing to offer God. And so we mean that in a couple ways. In Acts 17, 24 and 25, Paul is talking to a bunch of Athenians and he says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And so that's kind of a, that's, that makes sense, right? God made everything. God sustains everything. God is the one that provides us with life, that provides us with food. What do we have that we can offer him? Like, does God need my food? Does God need my money? Does God need my time, talent, or anything else? No. No. That's a fat no. God doesn't need anything that I can give him. So in terms of those kinds of things, material things, I have nothing that I can offer God. Additionally, it doesn't matter if I'm righteous or not, because what does my righteousness give to God? What benefit does God receive if I'm a good person? In Job 22, 2 through 3, Eliphaz is talking to Job and he says, Can a man be profitable to God? Surely he who is wise is profitable to himself. So if I'm wise, it helps me out. But is it any pleasure to the Almighty if you are in the right? Or is it gain to him if you make your ways blameless? And like it matters that we're righteous and God cares that we're righteous, but we offer God nothing if we're righteous. And the issue is we're not righteous. So even if we were righteous, it's not like God needs that. It's not like God benefits from that. But then also we aren't righteous. We're actually guilty. So you have nothing to offer God. You have nothing material that, materially that he needs. Your righteousness is not of benefit to him. And even beyond that, in Romans 3, it says that no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And so when we're talking about being poor in spirit, it's the acknowledgement that I have nothing to give God. Even if my righteousness were of worth to him, I don't have righteousness to give him. I'm a bad person. I'm a sinner. All of us are. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. You want to know who goes to heaven? You want to know who gets the kingdom of God? You want to know who lets Jesus or who Jesus lets in? It's the people who recognize that they have nothing to give God. It's the people who recognize that they are the ones who are in need. Because it's the poor person that needs help, not the rich person. And so when you're saying I'm poor, you're acknowledging that you have nothing to give to God and you're acknowledging that you are in desperate need of what God's going to give you. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And usually if you ask people, hey, are you going to go to heaven when you die? And they're generally going to say yes. And then if you say why, what's the most common answer? Why is God going to let you into heaven? Because I accepted him into my heart. Because I accepted him in my heart. That's, that's one of them. Because I cast out demons in Matthew 7, a little, uh, little uh, preview. If you were to ask a non-Christian, someone who, like, in general, ask someone from country, there it is. Say that again. Because I'm, I'm good. Because I'm a good person. And the thing is, the group of people that Jesus was giving this message to, that's what they would have said. 
if you had said, hey, who's going to be allowed into the kingdom of God? They would have said the ones who keep the law, the ones who are pure, God's people, the Israelites. He'd be like, we're, we're good people. We're law followers. God's going to let us into the kingdom of God. <laughs> yeah, right. And then Jesus looks at all of these people who are thinking that by being a good person, they're going to be allowed into God's kingdom. And he says, actually, it's the humble, the ones who realize they have nothing to offer me. That's who I let in. And so you're like, okay, okay, the poor in spirit. Well, that's, that's what being poor in spirit is. Let's look at the next one. Well, okay, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so the next one, the next beatitude is mournful. And this is where you kind of get that paradox where it's like mournful. Those are the happy ones. It's like, yeah. But the thing is, if you are actually poor in spirit, if you genuinely realize that you have nothing to offer God, you're not going to go around being like, yeah, I know I got nothing to offer God. And then staring at everyone and judging them hardcore. <laughs> I'm so righteous. I give so many alms. Thank God I'm not like that tax collector over there. Like you're not going to be that kind of person. If you genuinely realize that you have nothing to offer God and that you're in trouble and that you're in need, what are you going to mourn over? If you are genuinely realizing that you are in desperate need and that you have nothing to offer God, what are you going to mourn over? What do we have to mourn over? What separates us from God? The fact that you can't get salvation by yourself, potentially. I heard it. Miles. Miles? What? Ouch. What? Oh, wow. Rough. So real quick, what are we mourning? If we are mournful, what are we mourning about? Adelaide. What do you think? Um, because of our sin. There we go. That is correct. Yeah. It's because of our sin. So we are mournful for our sin. Because if we realize that we are in dire needs, if we realize that we're in trouble, what got us into that place of being in trouble? Our sin. Our sin. Yes. Yeah, this is like back to our Genesis chapter 3 message. We sinned, and because we sinned, we're jacked. And so if you are genuinely poor in spirit, you're going to see your sin and it's going to be a genuine issue for you. Like, think about this. When's the last time you cried about your sin? Not because you got caught, not because you got punished, but because you sinned. Because that is one of the marks of a Christian, is that your sin is such a major reality to you that you actually mourn over it. So that's one of the things you can look at. It's like, am I poor in spirit? Well, am I mourning over my sin? If the answer is no, you need to clear up your chakra. Drink your onion and banana juice. I feel like without context, that's going to sound really weird. They're going to be like, what, what are you saying? Teach them the Bible and talk about chakras? It makes sense in context. All right. So here's the next one. So we, we sound mournful. Okay. Well, blessed are the meek. One of my favorite words. No, yeah. Meek is a cool one, man. It's so short. It sounds kind of fun and it's got a cool meaning. So blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah, right? It does not mean weak. So, I mean, we could spend a ton of time talking about all of the specific pairings, like why it's so weird that the meek are obtaining the earth. But in the interest of time, I'm going to kind of burn through this. But I got to say, man, read the Beatitudes. There is a lot of stuff to get out of this. A lot, there's a lot of stuff that I'm skipping over, I should say. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the mournful. Blessed are the meek. It's like, well, okay. I, I feel like I'm thinking I'm poor in spirit. I do mourn over my sin. So, there I am mournful. Does anyone know what meek means? Like, 
Strength under control. Strength under control. I hear repentant for sin, strength under control, humble. There's one more word I'm looking for. LOL. So the other word I'm thinking about is gentle. So when you're talking about meekness, meekness is like humble gentleness. And when we're talking about being meek, Miles actually nailed something. Being meek does not mean being so frail that you can't do anything. A meek person is like the five, like is like the six foot five marine who's built to the like I don't know, built to the teeth. Able to kill. Yeah, able to kill. Muscular out the wazoo could pop my head off with his little finger. Like when that guy walks in, and <laughs> and then when that guy walks in and is actively gentle and actually helps me not to get hurt, that's meekness. Meekness is the ability to hurt people but not doing it. And so Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are self-controlled and are gentle to other people. People who could break other people down and instead they build them up. So this is the next thing. It's like, well, okay, how do you know you're poor in spirit? How do you treat other people? Are you internally meek? Are you looking down on the people around you? Do you look around at the sin of other people and you think to yourselves, I would never do that. Those people over there. Like, do you look down on the people around you? Because if you look down on the people around you, it's a demonstration that you are not poor in spirit, that you don't realize your need. Because the Bible says that we love because God first loved us. And so if you realize the extent to which you have been loved by God, you're going to be meek towards other people. Well, okay, let's go to the next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And this is kind of the flip side of being mournful. I'm just going to write, who hunger. Who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you are genuinely mournful over your sin, if you are genuinely mournful about your moral frailty, you are going to be desperate to be stronger. You're going to be desperate for righteousness. Like this is kind of the flip side of that. So are you actually poor in spirit? Are you desperate to grow more righteous? Like we talk, we're talking about a salvation discernment on Sundays right now. And we're talking about the fact that if you are actually a Christian, it results in a changed life that you're going to act differently because of that internal change. If you are actually poor in spirit, you're going to be desperate for righteousness. And it's not to say that your righteousness is saving you, but if you are a Christian, you're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so all of these are internal realities and all of these are ways to kind of check to see if you're actually poor in spirit. But the thing about internal realities is that they work their way out. So it's not just that. It says in verse seven, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And so this is the first one. The first external beatitude is, do I know how to spell? Yes. Is those who are merciful. And so I have a picture up here of like the blue stick figures represent the Christian and the red things represent the things that they're interacting with. Because when we talk about being merciful to someone, being merciful to someone means not giving them the things that they quote deserve. Like God is merciful to me because he doesn't punish me the way that I deserve. And then grace is when he gives you something that you don't deserve. But when we say merciful, what we're saying is that there's some other person who has wronged you who has genuinely wronged you, and then you do not retaliate. Because Jesus talks about the unforgiving servant, the servant that is forgiven a massive debt. He goes out to a person who owes him some money, and then he goes absolutely ham on that person, forcing them to pay him back and throwing him and his family into like slavery. And then the bastard who forgave him a massive debt is like, what did you just do? Do you not realize how much I forgave you? And you're going to be unforgiving to someone else? 
And so for us, if you're genuinely poor in spirit, if you genuinely understand that you were in dire straits and you needed God's forgiveness, you're also going to be forgiving to other people. So this is the external reality number one. What do people, when, when people wrong you, are you merciful to them? Because if you're not, you're not poor in spirit. And you should consider that because Christians are poor in spirit. And by the way, disclaimer, I'm not saying that, our, that we're perfect at this. It's not that you never struggle, but also we're called to evaluate our life and to think about whether or not we're actually in this category. So are you merciful? Well, okay. How about this? Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And when we talk about purity, we most often talk about purity in terms of like sexual purity, but purity has to do with a lot more than that. Purity means without contaminant. Like if you have someone who's smelting gold and they're getting all of the impurities out and what you're left with is this shining ring that has no dirt or grime or other rocks in it, that's pure. There's nothing else in it defiling it. And so when we talk about a Christian being pure, this is talking about sin in general. You're not engaging with sin. Over here, I have the Christian and the world. And so this is how you interact with a person who's been wronging you. And then this is how the Christian interacts with the sinful world. The way that a Christian interacts with a sinful world is that the Christian rejects it. The Christian rejects the things that the sinful world wants excuse me, to give them. So blessed are the pure. And this is again having to do with, do you actually mourn your sin? You're not going to want more of it. <laughs> If you genuinely hate your sin and you're broken over the fact that you're a sinful person, when the world offers you sin, you're not going to be like, oh, yes, please. No. So are you actually poor in spirit? Are you resisting sin? Well, okay, let's go on to the next one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And now this one is based on how you react when the sinful world goes towards you. If you have someone who is mistreating you, are they going to have conflict with you? Like one of the characteristics of a Christian is that we are at peace with people. In Romans 12, 8, it says, if possible, so far as it depends with you, live at peace with everyone. And so when we talk about living at peace with people, it means that you're not in an ego battle with people. You're not trying to get your own way. You're not getting into pointless fights. But instead, are the people around you at peace with you because you are a calm, gentle, humble, peaceable person? And this is one of those things where your character can actually be judged by how people around you react. Everywhere you go, is there constant conflict with everyone that you talk to? You leave one job, you go to the other one, conflict. You leave one school, you go to another one, conflict. Every group of people you're around, you're constantly getting in fights with them. There's constantly people at war with you. If that's the case, it tells you something about your character. It tells you that you're not poor in spirit, that you're not meek. And it tells you that you're not merciful. And it's not to say that you're always at fault if someone else has beef with you, but if people constantly have beef with you, you need to consider this. Because one of the ways that you judge your own character is how the world moves around you. So a peacemaker is someone that even when hostile people are trying to make war with them, they do everything they can to have peace. And also, if other people are having conflict, then the peacemaker can cause peace between them. So blessed are the peacemakers. So ask yourself, am I a peacemaker? Because that has to do with whether or not you're poor in spirit. And then there's one more. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is a big deal because it's, this is said twice. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then at the very end, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's kind of bookending this portion. And when it's talking about that, 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Notice the word falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for those for, uh, for words. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so one of the things that we see about this, I told you in the beginning that Jesus is describing the laws of what? Jesus is a? Example. Example, that's one thing. It starts with a K. Knight. <laughs> Not knight. It is knight. It's uh, king, yes. <laughs> king. Jesus is the king. Matthew presents Jesus as the king. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus talking about the laws of his country, essentially. And so Jesus is saying, you want to be in my kingdom? These are the characteristics that describe you. Now, here's the thing. Is the kingdom of the world an ally or an enemy of the kingdom of God? It's an enemy. The kingdom of the world is against the kingdom of God. And so when you leave the kingdom of the world and you defect to the kingdom of God, what's the kingdom of the world going to feel about that? Not good. Not good. Not good at all. In John 15, 18, and 19, Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And if you are genuinely poor in spirit, if you are genuinely in God's kingdom, the world's going to throw you out because you're not one of its own. And so then the question becomes, well, how does that relate to being a peacemaker? If you're at peace with everyone, but also everyone hates you, what's the deal? And so, the thing is this. There's a difference between people hating you because you're a jerk and people hating you because of what you stand for. And the thing is, if you are a Christian, people should love you and love being around you and hate everything you stand for. And that's the difference. Jesus is saying, if you are in my kingdom, one of the ways that you're going to know that you're in my kingdom is when this kingdom is against you, because this kingdom is against me. So Jesus comes and he opens his Sermon on the Mount and he says, hey, this is my kingdom and these are the people who are in it, the poor in spirit. I am the king of the humble. And if you want to know whether or not you're humble, you need to ask yourself, well, do I mourn over my sin?" Am I meek and gentle and gracious to other people? Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Because if you don't, you're not poor in spirit. Are you merciful to other people? Because if you're not, it means that you don't realize what you were forgiven of. Are you pure? Because if you love your sin, it means you're not mourning it. Are you a peacemaker? Because if you're not a peacemaker, it means you're not meek. And does the world hate you? Because if the world doesn't hate everything you stand for, it's because you're not actually hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It means you're still a part of it. So with that, I'm going to try to leave as much time for small groups as I can. But let's bow our heads, pray it out. Lord, thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for the opportunity to hear the words of Jesus, to hear the words of our King talking about the laws that we need to follow. Lord, we aren't perfect and we can't follow these laws perfectly, but also I pray that you would help us to see our need, that we would be poor in spirit and that we would be reliant on Jesus and that we would evaluate whether or not that's actually coming out. Lord, I pray these things in the name of our King Jesus Christ. Amen. The girls' team is taking Drew on as their own.